This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Whether you're just looking to stay warm during a hunt or need maximum concealment, the clothing you wear can make or break a hunt. At MidwayUSA.com, we understand hunting clothing has come a long way with more meticulously crafted camo patterns, advanced scent control technologies, and weatherproof options to withstand the elements. Hunters have to wait until their favorite season, but shouldn't wait on gear, which is why MidwayUSA offers super-fast shipping. When you're ready for your next system, log on to MidwayUSA.com. So lately I've been reading a book. Uh, Maybe you've heard of this book. It's called Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And the basic premise of this book is uh, this guy, Robert, uh, grew up with his father, educated guy, had a good job in in the education sector, uh, always just struggling to get by. And meanwhile, uh, a good friend of his, uh, his father, was an incredible businessman, uh, built an empire, really became a wealthy man. And so Robert, growing up, wanting to learn how to, quote-unquote, be rich, goes to his friend's dad, and he asks him, how do I become rich? The two actually go together, the two friends, uh, trying to learn how to be rich. And so one of the biggest lessons that he's taught right out of the gate, one of the first lessons, rule number one, is you must know the difference between an asset and a liability. Rich people buy assets. Poor people, according to this rich dad, buy liabilities. So what is an asset and what's a liability? Well, an asset puts money into your pocket, whereas a liability is something that takes money out of your pocket. Now, I know you're wondering, we're supposed to be talking about fruit tonight. We already talked about the rat race and money. Where are we going with this? Just bear with me for a minute. All you need to remember is that an asset gives to you and a liability takes away. If you want to be rich, according to this rich dad, you spend your life buying assets. If you want to be poor or middle class, struggling, you spend your life buying liabilities. The author of this book, Robert, he retired at 47. His wife was 37 when she retired. 
Uh, and retirement for them didn't mean not working anymore. Instead, it meant that bearing unforeseen cataclysmic changes in their life, uh, they could work or not, their wealth would continue to grow. Staying ahead of inf inflation, uh, they could lead the life that they wanted. Their assets are large enough to grow by themselves. And this is the very interesting part, because as I was trying to come up with uh, an introduction or an illustration into tonight's discussion, I was thinking about how trees are like assets. And then I stumbled across this quote where in the book, Robert likens assets that keep someone rich to a tree. He says, it's like planting a tree. You water it for years. And then one day it doesn't need you anymore. Its roots are planted deep enough. The tree provides shade for your enjoyment. We're all a bunch of homesteady people here. We know that trees provide much more than shade. We are not interested in planting ornamentals. We want to see fruit. We want to see apples and pears and peaches. And this isn't something that uh, only we as a, as a group of people see as something valuable. For centuries, for the entire man's history, uh, trees have signified wealth. Uh, you can go back and see throughout history, 2,000 years ago, uh, Middle Eastern peoples using the phrase, sitting under one's own vine and fig tree. And that symbolized a peaceful, prosperous, secure condition. Just the idea that you had your own tree meant you were prosperous. Because that tree could produce for you and keep yielding for you over time. Now perhaps you saw, uh, as you were clicking on this video or if you're over there at Prepper Broadcasting, you saw the thumbnail for tonight. It said, uh, grow fruit, not veggies. I didn't mean to rile anybody up. I don't want anybody angry here if they love gardening. But I want to make a case tonight, a point. I feel that five or six years ago when we started homesteading, we made a little bit of a misstep in our efforts. We focused too soon in our uh, endeavor, in our homesteading journey on vegetables. You see, I feel that most of us, when we start to try to be a little more homesteady, the first step we, th we think of is, I want to start a garden. I want to plant some vegetables and uh, watch them grow. And so maybe we till some soil up, maybe we buy some transplants, maybe we start some seeds, and then we uh, till our soil, we put the seeds in the ground, maybe our transplants, and then we maybe water and care for them. And we watch as these plants grow taller and taller. And then we're weeding and we're watering and we're weeding and we're caring. And then the harvest comes and we're plucking all our veggies off of that. And this is the thing. When you're talking about assets versus liabilities, I feel that vegetables kind of can have the feeling of being more of a liability, especially when you're a new gardener and you're spending all kinds of time on this. Maybe you're making mistakes, doing things wrong. And at the end of the season, you do maybe get to yield a little bit of produce, but then next year comes and guess what? You get to do it all over again. Fruit, perennials, that's a little bit of a different story. 
You see, you take a fruit tree or a fruit bush or some other perennial, asparagus, you put that into the ground. And if you do it right, you get it started off in a healthy way, uh, that vegetable or that tree, that bush takes root. The roots go down into the soil and it gets stronger and stronger. And over time, that keeps getting stronger and stronger to the point like where in the quote that we just read, the tree doesn't really need you anymore. The tree is okay without you. And over years and years, that tree can produce more and more fruit if you take care of it. It does require care. It's not plant at once and done, but it can yield more and more. When I think of an asset and a liability, I think that fruit, we're going to make the case tonight, is a bit more of an asset. Over time, it will give you more and more benefits with less and less work. Now, five, six years ago when we first moved here, I started the big garden. And guess what? This year, I have to do the same amount of work to that garden that I did six years ago. If I had started six years ago planting apple trees, uh, maybe some blueberry bushes, and I had done it right, well, this year, maybe I'd do a little bit of pruning, a little bit of maintenance. I'd be able to go out and enjoy picking that delicious fruit. And that is what we're going to talk about in tonight's episode. We're going to help you start off this year, if you haven't done it already, the right way with planting some perennials on your homestead so that each year you have more and more assets to enjoy. And then you can spend more time. Don't worry. We're not hating on veggies. You can spend more time with your veggies. So that's what we're going to talk about in today's episode of Homesteady. The world that we live in is a crazy place, but you and me, we can each make it a little better. We can live a more sustainable life, we can become more self-sufficient, and we can get more connected with the planet around us, and we can do all of this together. So everybody, cozy up, it's time for another episode of Homestead. I am absolutely no expert when it comes to growing your own fruit. And that's why last Tuesday night, when we did our live show on YouTube, you can join us every Tuesday night at 9 o'clock Eastern Time for the live recording of the podcast. I made sure to bring a friend on the episode with me. So I kind of uh, just lived a regular suburban life uh, growing up. This is Dave Hunt from the Orchard and Nursery Northeast Edible located in New Jersey. Dave's fascination with raising his own fruit started way back playing at his grandma's house. Um, I got into fruit trees as a young kid. My grandmother had a couple of apple trees in her backyard that when I would, I would go over there every day after school and, and climb on her trees. And of course, uh, she, was, she wasn't always as happy as I was to see me climbing on the trees. This is one of those butterfly moments where history could have gone one of two ways. Dave's grandma sees him playing on the trees, climbing on them, horsing around. She could have just yelled at him, told him to get off the trees. But instead, she takes time to explain to him why he shouldn't do that. She, they were apple trees and she wanted to, to get the fruit and she didn't want me pulling down the branches, uh, breaking her limbs. So. 
she kindly told me that, uh, explained to me that this was an apple tree and, and uh, it was it was a very old tree and she wanted to keep it in good health and not to climb on these branches because you could uh, tear up part of the tree and I kind of got the, the itch for uh, fruit trees from that as a young kid, probably eight years old and uh, always had a passion for fruit trees ever since then. Just another example to add to the long list of grandparents who've inspired us, people that you hear on this home study show. And because of that, Dave now runs an orchard from his homestead. He didn't buy it as an orchard. In fact, he just moved onto the property with his wife and his new baby and wanted to feed them better. So at my homestead, we've been here probably close to 10 years. Um, as soon as I got on the, on the property, I planted some fruit trees. My wife can attest to it. Dave wasted no time. He listened to that ancient proverb. The best time to plant a tree was 20 years ago. The next best time was today. And so he did. And like is usually the case with most things homesteading, his very first attempt didn't go as planned. I got him in the ground and soon enough, uh, probably a day or two later, there was deer out there running over the trees. And, <laughs> and uh, so my, my first foray to my own fruit trees didn't go quite as I expected, uh, but I uh, learned my lessons, and a fence went up shoot soon after and put some new trees in the ground, and I hit the ground running with those. And um, Like your intro said, I, I didn't plant the garden right away. I did plant those trees, so I, I, was, uh, I always knew that was something I wanted to do and get in the ground when I did get my property. Had some mistakes along the way, but I learned a little bit every year and, and uh, go from there. Dave is not alone in this. This happens to so many of us, and it certainly happened to me. The first time that we put fruit trees onto our property, things did not work out. So we bought about six apple and apple and pear trees when we first moved on the homestead. The first year I bought a couple from the big box store, and uh, just bad quality trees. You know, you see them out on the sidewalk there, and you think, oh great, they've been burning up on the, the sidewalk for who knows how long, got those in the ground, and sure enough, they dropped dead. And uh, then there was a year that I got a couple nice trees, and I also happened to buy goats at the same time. So that was my <laughs> own mistake. <laughs> yeah, goat, goats will eat any tree. They seem to have a, have a, a center for, for your fruit trees, and uh, they go right for them. They loved it. They were very appreciative of my hard efforts to plant those trees. I don't want our, our listeners to make the same mistakes that we did. Um, so tell me, how did you, as time went on, how did you develop a better system? How did you get to know how to do things the right way? Uh, where, how did you learn all that you know now about, about trees? A little bit I knew from my grandma, just uh, a couple of lessons that stuck with me um, about kind of putting the, putting the trees in the right spot uh, from the get-go so they have every opportunity to thrive. And then just from, from that, I trial and error, uh, reading a lot of books, trying to get, uh, get some mentors who, 
they'd kind of take me under the wing and show me a little bit uh, of what makes a successful planting and and uh, what doesn't. So any homestead journey, no matter what you're doing, I feel like mentors are such an important part of that. Um, was your in the beginning? Was your grandma the one who really got you started? Yeah, well, she kind of uh, from from her fruit trees uh, in the backyard. She kind of, that kind of piqued my curiosity. You know, I, I had never seen a, a fruit tree in anyone's yard, and then uh, gradually from there, I just kind of started looking for them. And hunting boots are a critical component of any successful hunt. Whether walking a short distance to your blind or trudging miles through rugged terrain, your feet are carrying the load. Without the right boots, you could give up early and lose out on that trophy just over the ridge. At Midway USA, we make selecting boots for your next hunt easier. With just a few clicks of a mouse, you can decide on what's important, like waterproofing, insulation, size, width, and savings. For just about everything for shooting, hunting, and the outdoors, check out MidwayUSA.com. That experience at his grandma's had piqued his interest. And over time, Dave's interest just grew and grew, much like the trees in his grandma's backyard. Uh, once I figured that out, I kind of always looked and I would just see tons of trees, uh, mostly like acorns you see all around, oak trees. Uh, but then you see those, you see some wild apples, you see some peaches, and you kind of kind of look for these trees and um, I would find myself going through the woods going uh, as a little kid just playing outside and kind of uh, trying to identify trees and uh, when I found a fruit tree I'd make a note of it and always try to come back to, to it and try to see when when the fruit would be on there and I didn't I didn't know when the fruit would ripen at that point so uh, it was kind of just every day was a new experience and trying to figure out uh, figure out from there. Dave wandered the woods, made notes of what he saw. He learned and learned. I asked him whether or not any of the trees in his orchard now came from the trees at his grandma's place. Yeah, I didn't have the foresight to uh, to do anything like that. My yeah, my grandma passed away when I was still in high school, um, so I kind of uh, yeah, that, that's, uh, those trees might still be there. Um, I don't live quite as close to there as now, but uh, yeah. Maybe it's time to take a look and see what uh, see what's back there. Trees are a generational gift, something that someone can plant that their grandchildren can sit underneath and enjoy. And no doubt, Dave's grandma knew this, but she knew something even more important. Eventually, those trees would die, but the knowledge of how to care for them, how to grow them, she could pass to Dave her grandson, who then could share it with his kids. The knowledge that his grandmother taught him way back when can continue to be taught forever.
If you like what we do at Homesteady, there's two ways you can support us. The first is by becoming a Homesteady Pioneer. In the Pioneer-only library, there's a master class all about starting off with fruit on your homestead. Plus, Dave is going to be teaching a workshop this upcoming weekend at the farm, and if you can't make it to the workshop in person, Pioneers will have access to that entire video. So, become a Pioneer, it's just five bucks a month, and if you can't do that, you can still support us by doing all your Amazon shopping first through amsteady.com. Just type in amsteady.com, it'll be forwarded to Amazon. Do your shopping, doesn't cost a penny extra, but we make a little bit from your shopping. Thank you so much ahead of time. Let's get back to the show. So you must have for a little while gotten away from this, you know, homesteady lifestyle. What got you back, Dave? Yeah, um, when I got married and I and, uh, was starting a family, I, I always knew that I kind of wanted to grow some of my own food. And it, it kind of suspect or uh, questioning of the, all the food that's out there in the supermarket, you know, not knowing some of it's not the greatest and uh, that I could do better. Uh, that was the first the first real step once uh, once my wife got pregnant with her first child that kind of wanted to uh, provide some of that food for for the baby and you know feed some feed our family. And Dave, uh, uh, you guys don't know this about Dave. I know this about Dave. He's he is about three months behind in the procreation game as our family. Uh, so Dave has four kids just like we do. Uh, Dave, what's the ages of your kids? We got them packed in tight. They're five, three, one and a half, and four, uh, five months. Every time we've been over the last month or so working on the big project here at the homestead, a big orchard, we're calling each other, and one of our kids are crying in the back. One of our kids are making a fuss. <laughs> so, Dave, your your background, you had the experience and the fascination with the fruit trees. Uh, then you wound up very similar to me, getting married, having some children, and wanting to take control of the food you were going to feed your family. Where did you start? I, I started with uh, so I had when I moved onto this property. Part of the appeal for the property there was uh, two mature apple trees that um, I, they were totally overgrown, but they were they were huge, uh, probably thirty, forty year old trees. So I kind of uh, saw those, and I, I kind of wanted to add to that. Um, so I started with a couple of apple trees, a couple of pear trees, some blueberry bushes, and uh, you know, a couple of years later, I'm here with a couple thousand trees and uh, a little, a little bit more. So uh, almost got my my homestead filled with trees, and it, uh, it's a work in progress. Was the idea in the beginning to actually have an orchard or did you just keep cutting and grafting and planting and it wound up where you were? Yeah. So the idea was just a couple trees and just, uh, for, for the family, enough food to have to feed the family. Um, and then, you know, I, one thing led to another. My wife might say I got carried away and, and uh, you know, I might, I might have, uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, it, yeah. The idea was definitely just to feed the family and go out there and have some, some fruit to pick. Yeah, I'll, I'll never forget the the first time I went out there with my oldest son picking blueberries. Pretty cool moment when he was, he was probably one and a half, uh, maybe two years old. But, you know, he kind of got it. I mean, we were out there, and it was it was super cool for for me knowing that I grew those, and for for him, I, hopefully he remembers it. But um, I know he remembers it now. But hopefully he remembers it when he he's my age and has kids of his own. And once hopefully he kind of instills that same. Uh, 
Same law of fruit for his kids. We, uh, we were talking about your homestead and the fact that you had grown it to the point where uh, now you run an orchard off the property. Uh, you actually sell trees now, Dave, correct? Yes. Yep. So how long have you been actually running a business from your homestead? Uh, about three years. It, uh, yeah, it started just a couple, couple trees here and there and, and uh, gradually grew, grown up to what it is now. Yeah, it, uh, I've got a bunch of different varieties of trees bunch of berries, uh, most, most of the standard stuff, a couple of unique things, and I'm trying to expand that uh, a little bit here and there every year. Dave has a ton of unique uh, trees and bushes, and we'll get into that. But let's start at the beginning, Dave. Somebody listening wants to know, you know what, I'm thinking uh, maybe they don't want to make the mistake I made. They want to move on to their property, or this year they want to start on their property with at least a few fruit, whether it be trees, bushes, where do you suggest someone get started? From from the get go, like you like you said in the in the intro, fruit is definitely a long term proposition. So you want to make sure that you plant these these trees and these bushes in the right spot, and you you get your your infrastructure in there first, and make sure you're you're going to have them in a spot where they can thrive. What you can you can look for is so what I learned right off the bat was protection. So protection from deer, look at what wildlife you have in the area. If you have a ton of rabbits in one certain area that you notice or squirrels, they're going to want to eat your eat your trees or your fruit. Maybe rabbits will do both depending on time of year. So look at that stuff. Um, you want to look at uh, your sun your sun aspect, your your slope, your water setup. That's the gist of it for, for the basics. Once, once you get your, your site and you have it protected, want to make sure your trees are going to get enough sun but not too much sun depending on your area once uh once this, you have the sun set up you're you're going to look for water soil you want enough water to get them established but not too much where they're going to drown uh and they're rotten or in their place once you have a spot where it's not going to be too much water but just enough water you want to check that soil and make sure that soil is going to be compatible with what you're trying to grow uh, most of these, most of the standard fruit trees will grow in uh, in a wide range of, of soils. Um, it is always good to get a soil test just to see what soil you're dealing with. A lot of times you can you can tell if it's sand or clay just from digging in the soil, uh, but sometimes a soil test is needed to uh, to determine what uh, if you're trying to something like a blueberry specific soil uh, spectrum that it needs to grow in, and it won't grow in. Uh, in, in other areas. So we want to take a look at that. When you list off all those things, Dave, it sounds like, oh man, I have to consider so much. But then when I had you over to the farm to look at the properties and we have a video in recent video in the YouTube channel, you can see Dave talks about picking location on our farm for our coming up orchard. It really didn't take long at all. There's a lot of different bullet points, but you were able to quickly see this is a spot with sun, but it's not full blaring sun, yeah. a little bit of slope. Uh, the, the fertility in the soil was good because there were animals there. Someone who doesn't have any experience, hopefully they can find someone like you to bring on to the farm at least once, walk through with them. Uh, it took us, I mean, just took us a little bit of time to pick out the location. Once someone has a good location picked, starting fruit trees, one of uh, the comments in the, in the YouTube box was 
especially with kids running around in mind, which I thought was a great question. What are some good plants to get started with when you're growing fruit? So what I like to do is I like to plant trees and bushes. Trees are going to be a longer term project. Um, a standard size fruit tree might not bear for four to seven years, depending on the fruit. You, if you, at the same time you plant that fruit tree, you could plant either a dwarf fruit tree, much, which might bear fruit within a year or two. Um, you can also plant a berry bush, like something like a, a blueberry or a raspberry, and that'll give you fruit often the same, same year, like a raspberry plant on the right time of year. You can get fruit in the fall, the same year that if you plant in the spring. So I like to plant a couple things. If you have the room, uh, obviously, if you have the room, plant berries, maybe a couple dwarf trees, and maybe a couple full-size trees. That way you're not waiting seven, four, four to seven years to get fruit from a couple trees. You're, you're going to get some immediate results maybe within the year or, or next year, and you'll see that fruit. It'll keep you interested. It'll keep you checking that location, making sure your trees and your bushes are, are in good shape, and it, it'll, uh, it'll get you outside and walk around and, and uh, being active and, and hopefully picking some fruit. I love that advice. Uh, one of the things you learn when you start to learn more and more about permaculture, uh, you learn about mirroring what nature does in your own systems. So look at what you see in the forest naturally and then mimic that in your own efforts, you know, your own gardens and food forests. And what do you see when you clear a piece of property, when you cut down all the trees and open up the sun, what are the first things that show up? Wild, uh, wild blackberries or raspberries, right? Yeah, yeah, those are absolutely. Those, those bushes with the thorns and the berries that we go every year. And uh, we have a big patch on the side of the property here that comes in and the kids pick them and we wind up stepping on a tree's nest or a bee's nest and uh, getting stung. <laughs> but nice. those are the first things that come in. So what a good point. Mimic what nature's already doing. Test out your future spot with the berries, the bushes. And I imagine, Dave, if you test out a spot with some berry bushes and you find out it's not great, is that the kind of thing you can just pick up, you know, dig up and move again? Yeah, absolutely. So like you said, you'll get those raspberries and those blackberries on the edges of, uh, of your trees or edges of your woods. So it's a great, it's a great thing that, um, say, like the design that we came up with, with your place, we put those, those berries on, on the edges of where we're going to plant the full-size trees. Um, that's, that's great if um, you'll, basically you'll find, you'll find wild stuff right on the edge of road, roads and uh, forest edges. But we're going to plant that basically where it's found in nature almost. Uh, these are, these are, that's where the berries want to grow. And if for some reason that's not a good spot for them, if the plant's still alive and it, it should be, you know, we, we can always adjust where that is. Maybe it's getting too much sun or maybe it's not getting enough sun. And we'll, we'll, we, can, we can pull it out of the ground and transplant it. And then, you're, you know, you're probably just a year or so away from getting fruit from that once it's in its new location. That's, yeah, that's awesome. And then you've invested a little bit less testing out the spot. So now after we go to the berry, in the, into the berry world, let's say we're starting to get into the idea of doing trees. Where, what are some good trees to start with? I, I like pears. Um, they, they, uh, a lot of people go with apples. It's kind of, if you go to any big box store, it's mostly apples. Uh, but pears and peaches seem to be really pest, pest hardy. 
Uh, nothing's really pest resistant, uh, but you want a hardy tree that's that's going to substan- uh, going to get through a lot of pests. Every, everything likes to eat um, apple trees, particularly, but everything likes to eat fruit off a tree, uh, including you know squirrels, birds. If you're going to get a tree, if you're going to get fruit, know that you're you're going to be sharing some of that fruit with wildlife, unless you take some take some uh, precautions to either keep them out, net them out, um, you know, or defend your defend your crop. Um, yeah, but any full size tree is a great start. Any dwarf tree, you know, just depending on the on the space that you have. A lot of people who are in back or putting trees in their backyard or front yard might be confined with ten feet space spacing. So maybe just one or two dwarf trees is a good spot. So you got you have to read your your location and what you have space for. If space not an issue, I would say plant a couple dwarf trees, plant a couple full size trees, and go with the standard stuff that you that you will find at most stores. Like a, a apples are fine, but you'll find a lot of pests go for them. Um, pears, peaches, plums. I, I would say start with what you like to eat first. So if you don't like to eat apples, don't plant them. If you don't like to eat peaches, don't plant them. If your favorite thing in the world is plums, plant all plums. Pick what you like and then plant those things. Try to extend the harvest as much as you can based off of different varieties of those crops. And um, you'll be picking you'll be picking fruit for more of the season. You uh, you mentioned the all the different animals protecting your trees. I have a few tools behind me on the wall here that help me do that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And as yeah, someone in, uh, be not slothful in the uh, YouTube comments says uh, make sure to get a nuisance hunting license so you can take the deer that eat your trees. The problem yeah, is, you know, you can't be there. I mean, you can't be there twenty four seven. So that talking about netting, fencing, maybe some electric fencing, all important things to consider if you have, uh, you know, if you're go- if they're going to be in a place where there's going to be deer. And chances are, if you're planting a bunch of fruit trees there'll be some deer. <laughs> yeah. It, I forget who told it to me, but they basically said, oh, your, your, your fruit trees, uh, yeah, they don't produce fruit. They just grow they grow venison. So That works for me. <laughs> it's a good trade-off, yeah. If you can't get the fruit, you know, you can always get the venison. Dave, unfortunately, when I planned this episode, I didn't realize we were planning it on tax day. I would have loved to have sat here with Accountant Mike. <laughs> And gone through these numbers and see whether or not he would give this a thumbs up or thumbs down. But I know you have some figures for us. So what should a homesteader expect to be spending on a new orchard? And uh, after we get through those numbers, what kind of yields could they expect to see? Sure. Yeah. If uh, So what you can you can ex- expect probably uh, for a decent quality tree, spending 20 to 30 to $40, depending on the size. Uh, that that'll give you a, a pretty sizable tree, maybe a couple feet tall. Um, you want to look for something that has a caliper of, you know, m- bigger than a pencil, but maybe smaller than an inch and an inch and a half is might be too big. Uh, but if, for that size, you'll get like a twenty to forty dollar tree, depending on if it's say it's a dwarf tree or you'll be probably getting fruit probably two to three years out after planting. What you'll get off of that is you'll get a lesser yield than a full-size tree, but you'll get a faster yield. Um, So you'll get a quicker return on your investment. So say a $20 tree, you buy 
um, you plant it two years ago, you'll get fruit this year, hopefully, if you're, if you're helping it along. Um, you can expect probably first harvest, maybe 10 pounds, 20 pounds of fruit. Say it's an apple tree, you're going to get, what's the, what's the cheapest, I mean, most people that grow these, these trees in their backyard or grow backyard fruit want to want to grow the tree and want to get the fruit, but they're, they're also growing it because they're, they're health conscious and they want to make sure they know what goes into their, their tree. So say organic fruit, how, uh, you could probably buy maybe $2 a, a pound for an apple. You know, so if you're getting 10 to $20 or 10 to 20 pounds of fruit, you're looking at 20 to $40 worth of fruit. That's that first harvest. That's that second year of harvest. Um, so it kind of pays for itself right to, right after your first harvest, right after your second harvest, you're, uh, you're back even and, uh, you're going to get fruit for 20, 30, 40 years, depending on what size tree it is and, and, uh, how well you take care of it. That is exactly why in the beginning of this episode, I talked about trees. At Midway USA, we know the AR-15 is one of the most popular rifles in modern American history. Known for its modularity and widespread use, it's often considered essential to any gun collection. The essential things you need to run an AR-15 are usually always in stock during shortages, things like magazines and 5.56 ammo. Whether you're looking to buy a new AR-15 or buy parts for your modern sporting rifle, Log on, and for just about everything for the outdoors, shop MidwayUSA.com. Are, they are an, an asset, 100%. Now, you will lose some, some will fail, and especially in the beginning, you're going to make some mistakes. But if you put, let's say you put in 10, 10 different trees, and now, Dave, you have, you're working right now on a system where you can get fruit for six months out of the year. Tell us a little bit about how you're doing that. So it, uh, it's kind of... Kind of like uh, just getting a mix of. So I started out with everything that I like to eat and planting it and seeing, you know, oh, you know, first first yield is asparagus. It's not really a fruit, but it is a perennial. That kind of is the first thing I harvest in the in the spring. And then you go next. You go to strawberries. And then uh, honeyberries is another fruit that I grow. Not not many people know that one, but. Uh, next, you go to cherries, to peaches, to raspberries, to blueberries, to blackberries, and then you get to your pears, your apples, your plums, your peaches, your, uh, you know, go down the list, your grapes in the fall, your raspberries in the fall. The longer you can get fruit from or get a, a return from from these trees, the better. You know, you're, you're going out there, obviously you want to uh, enjoy enjoy the fruit all year long, which uh, in, in my climate is not possible, uh, but you can extend it as much as you possibly can. So harvest from, you know, asparagus comes out in, right, right around this time of year, around here, and strawberries are much much sooner or much further after that. Uh, but it, the longer you can, you can be picking fruit from your own orchard, your own patch, the better. That is awesome, and that's something that we're working on here. We're going to be putting in an orchard May 6th, guys, and we have a workshop. You can join me and Dave May 6th. Uh, early bird tickets are on sale. If you go to thisishomesteady.com, only 7 bucks. You're going to get a whole workshop by Dave showing you hands-on. 
Uh, and that's here in Connecticut if you can join us. So go and check that out. If you can't, become a pioneer because Homesteady Pioneers will be able to watch that live in a webinar. We got about 15 minutes left here, Dave. And uh, for those who can't join us for that live event at the Homesteady Farm, I want to make sure we answer some questions. So we're going to sure. dive into some questions. We have one on Prepper Broadcasting. Flying Dutchman asks, what do you use for insect control? I know you got some great advice for this one, Dave. Sure. Yeah, so, so what I like to do is incorporate my, my animals that I have on the homestead, so chickens, ducks. Um, what I've been doing is the last couple of years is bringing in my birds in the late fall and using them for, for a lot of insect control. Uh, what, what it does is when your birds scratch around, scratch around in your orchard, they're, they're trying to pick through the dirt and the soil, and a lot of times they get the larvae that's trying to overwinter in your soil. So I've found that just through that and bringing them in probably uh, around here, it's probably November I bring them in after most of the fruit's gone. I'll bring them in November leave them in there for a couple months, depending on the weather, let them scratch. A lot of times I'll actually put the, the feed right around the base of the trees, you know, a couple feet away from the base of the trees to encourage them to go right right up to the trees and scratch all around and and, and get some of that larvae that over, tries to overwinter in the soil. And that's had some great, great results where um, I've had seen pest pressures go down by almost 80%. Uh, so that that is, I try to practice no spray. A lot of times, if you do that, you're going to lose some fruit to uh, to pests and insects. But with that, you get a lot of a lot of reduction in the pests overwintering, overwintering, and and every year it gets better. So that's uh, that's a a pretty easy no spray tip to uh, to use if you have animals on your homestead. And Dave's got another great method. Uh, if you don't have animals, he taught us, which you can see in one of our videos on the channel, uh, planting alliums, right, along the base? Yep, yep. So if you plant, say, like garlic or, or onions, you'll get um, nothing really eats, eats those. They, uh, you can use teas that incorporate them as well, when you're, like compost tea that incorporates that, the garlic and the onion. Uh, and that, that is a big pest detractant. So yeah, those, uh, those two tips will, will cut down pests quite a bit. Uh, another great question for you, Dave. Be Not Slothful asks, what should I do to improve the soil if I don't have any good soil? We have land that was a pine farm and pine kills just about everything besides blueberry and blackberry. So what you can, you can bring in animals to, uh, to kind of uh, get some more nutrient in that soil. Uh, what you can do, there's, there's certain things that you can plant uh, before you put fruit trees in, so say so say it's a, it's it was a pine a, a pine uh, stand that was cut down. You're going to have to bring in some organic matter to that. So maybe it's wood chips, maybe it's the pine shavings themselves are great. Um, you can bring in some some chopped leaves. Some maybe there's a couple neighborhoods that they collect their leaves and put them on the on the sidewalk in the fall, uh, collect those and just start spreading them out. You can bring in animals to, to get some nutrient in there as well. A little bit of that, a couple of years, uh, plant some cover crops. You'll get uh, you'll get a quick return uh, return with those. Incorporate all those things. You'll get you'll get better soil going. So we had another really good question for you, Dave. Greg asks, what do you recommend? Multiple types of fruit, or just starting with one type? 
Yeah. Uh, so I guess it depends what, what you like to eat, Greg. I, that's how I kind of base most of most of uh, the, the starts of the discussion when people want to get some insight on, on what to plant. Um, decide what you like to eat. If it's, if it's apples, start with apples. If, if you like three different types, if, say you like peaches, cherries, and plums, go with those three to start. You know, plant a couple of each. And so maybe two or three varieties of, of each if you have the room and see what thrives best in your area. Depending on the area, you might not be able to plant your, your favorite fruit. So um, not, not all fruit trees grow in, in, uh, in all areas, but most of, most of the stuff we're talking about tonight, they will grow in a big portion of the country. So if you like to eat it, give it a try if you have the room. And if you only have a room for a couple of trees, get something that's self-fertile which means you only need one tree. So like a, a lot of peach trees are self-fertile. You can get one of those and, and plant it. And then say you, you like uh, uh, some pear trees that are self-fertile, like a Bartlett pear is self-fertile. You can plant, you say you love pears and peaches, plant two, two trees, one pear, one peach, and, and go from there. That's awesome advice. Dave, uh, I don't see the question now, but someone had mentioned before they wanted to know how to find a good source for trees. So first, I'm going to go ahead and plug Northeast Edible because Northeast Edible officially has a website where you can buy his stuff online and Dave can ship to you. So you guys, Dave probably is too humble to just plug himself, so I'll plug Dave. Check out <laughs> NortheastEdibleNursery.com. Uh, the bundles that Dave has up right now are specifically geared towards our workshop coming up on May 6th, uh, but I'm sure more will be in that store. Dave, yep. if they are looking for a source and unfortunately for some reason uh, they can't get you to ship to them and Northeast Edible can't be their source, what do you look for in good uh, stock for your home orchard? Yeah, so I, I would say um, most of my stuff that I grow is, is based for the Northeast uh, and it's great for the climates that we have here. Uh, that being said, a lot of it will grow anywhere in the U.S. So most of the, the, the central states, uh, mid-Atlantic, some south, mid Midwest, uh, a little bit of West Coast as well. So you can you can uh, you can definitely see what grows in your area. If I have it, I'll be happy to sell it to you. But if you if you want to find someone local, that might be your best your, your next best bet. Um, find a local nurseryman. Who you can who, who isn't who isn't uh, afraid to answer some of your questions? We'll take a couple of minutes to uh, talk to you about it. And if you feel comfortable with them, if you see their plants and you like them, go with them. Um, you can find some mail order nurseries as well, where you can order online or and uh, just the closer the better. Um, it kind of shows you that those trees grow in your area and. Are, based, are are set up to uh, thrive in that area. So if uh, I, I'm not growing stuff that won't grow in my area, so if you if you can come to me and we talk about what you like to eat, I'll point you in the direction of trees that'll grow in your area. And if if you want to grow, say citrus, I'm going to tell you I don't have it, but you can probably grow it in your in your uh, in a sunny window, but you have to get it from somebody else. Dave, uh, unfortunately, we have so many good questions here, but we're running out of time tonight. Fortunately for our listeners and our viewers, you're available here on YouTube, right, Dave? Where can they find you here on YouTube? Yep. 
just go search Northeast Edible and you'll, you'll find us. So find the Northeast Edible channel. And Dave is doing a special giveaway right now for Homesteady listeners, Homesteady fans. If you guys head over to Dave's channel, Northeast Edible, subscribe to his channel. And once you subscribe, leave a comment. He is giving away a very special tree, Dave. What are you giving away? Yeah, we're giving away a couple of pawpaw trees. So these are uh, seedling pawpaws that were grown from select seed stock for uh, their vigor, their ability to pollinate, and their size of their fruit. So um, we're going to be giving away uh, pairs of pawpaw trees. So they're not pawpaws are North America's largest fruit, largest native fruit, and they are not for their self-infertile, so they need, you need two, at least two pawpaw trees to, to pollinate each other. Uh, so we're going to give away two, two pawpaw trees. So you're going to get two pawpaw trees. All you got to do, go subscribe to Northeast Edibles' YouTube channel and just leave a comment, tell Dave, hey man, I want those pawpaws. <laughs> trees are, they're just so worth doing. And if you do them right, uh, find someone like Dave, who can help you out. Uh, the the benefits just go on and on and on. Uh, Dave does do consulting too, guys. So if you're looking for a good orchard plan, he designed the orchard that we're going to be installing here on the Homesteady Farm. Uh, he came to the farm. Uh, we did a couple video chats where he was able to look at the property, get a good idea of the layout. I had to do a few measurements for him. And then he put together a plan. So this year we should have six months of fruit being installed on our property. So if you want some help with your orchard plans, you can contact Dave through the YouTube channel or through his website, Northeast Edible or northeastedibleNursery.com. And you can get Dave to help you set up your future six months of fruit uh, orchard. We'd love to have you join us for the workshop. is a wealth of knowledge when it comes to how to grow your own fruit on your homestead. And I really wanted to be able to bring him in contact with the homesteady audience. And so we are going to have the workshop a couple Saturdays from now, May 6th. Tickets are on sale. Go to thisishomesteady.com. On the homepage, you'll see a button to click to bring you, give you information on this workshop. Dave is going to explain what is the right fruit for your homestead, how to pick it. He's going to show you how and when to plant it. And then we're actually going to do that. We're going to plant a bunch of trees on the homesteady farm. Early bird tickets are on sale. They're $7 right now. You can grab those early bird tickets. If you wait, they're going to be going up to $10 per person and uh, $25 for families. So go ahead and get your tickets now. This is homesteady.com. We hope to see you May 6th. The farm is in Connecticut. If you're anywhere near, you can go and get the address and everything else when you get your tickets. And don't forget to check out Dave's YouTube channel where you can win a few pawpaws just for subscribing. They say that the best time to plant a tree was 20 years ago, and the second best time is today. So don't wait. Make this season the season that you start putting those assets into the ground trees that can produce more and more year after year. 
And be sure to do what Dave's grandma did. Involve your kids, maybe your grandkids. Teach them what you're doing. So not only will those young apple trees continue to grow, but the knowledge and the skills along with them that will long surpass if we keep teaching our kids and our grandkids and getting them involved, just like Dave's grandma did, well, the knowledge of how to continue caring for the trees will far outlive the trees that we're caring for. There's a great podcast write-up over at thisishomestudy.com. Every week, Alexia, the suburban escapee, shares with you all the links that you want from the episode, any additional information, and she always includes a little bit of her own story in there as well. Go ahead and check that out at thisishomestudy.com. This episode was edited by Allison Holly. Every week, we mess one of our files up one way or another, making it extremely difficult for her to work with us. Thanks for not giving up, Allison. Homesteady is produced by myself and my wife, Kay, and we're Homesteady. And if you are too, be sure to let us know. Hashtag your social media posts, I am Homesteady. And until next time, remember, the road is rocky. Make home steady. In the next episode of Home Steady, you're going to hear a story of how I thought I had poisoned my family. We stumbled upon a patch of mushrooms. We thought we knew what they were. We thought we had identified them correctly. We brought them inside. We cooked them up. And we enjoyed them. They were delicious. And then 10 minutes after dinner, my son said, Daddy, my stomach hurts. Find out what happens Tuesday night, 9 o'clock Eastern Time, live on YouTube, or next week when we release the next episode of the Home Study Podcast. <laughs>